Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number. Can you take a guess, sweetie? Nope. 432, I think. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, oh, by the way, I wrote a new mission statement for us. Okay. Um, I stole most of it from what you wrote on our website. Okay. But, um, you know, I'm always trying to like, how do we market? How do we get more people, more listeners? I'm, I'm going to your place, which is let's, instead of worrying about the, the breadth, is that, is that the breadth, the breadth, a word that's so not easy to say and instead focus on the depth. So like, so this is what it's to deeply impact the lives we touch with self-awareness, mindfulness, compassion, and connection. Oh, that's great. Because uh, Kathy and I, whenever we have business debates, it's about, oh, let's, I'm like, let's push, let's market, let's grow, let's expand. And Sweetie's like, let's just take care of the people that listen to us. Well, I think that really what I'm saying first is all those things you said, let's grow, let's expand. Okay, you and I can do that. Mm -hmm. But to inauthentically make that happen for other people doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like you and I can grow and expand as people and then maybe that'll be enjoyable. Right. But to like force the show to grow, it's like, it's like one of my students just did a presentation last week on, he was, a, he's a vegan and it was on chickens mm-hmm. and how gobble, chickens, gobble. chickens used to be like chickens. Like, you know, those rubber chickens that you see, like, obviously we can talk about real chickens, but think about a rubber chicken, how it's like all skinny. Yes. That's what chickens used to be like. And now and floppy, those rubber chickens were floppy. They're pretty floppy. <laughs> and now they like put all this stuff in the chicken to make it like all big and mm-hmm. fat. Yeah, like they fall over because the chicken breasts become so large they can't even stand up, right? So they're like making, they're creating the chicken inauthentically and wrong and they're harming the chicken and hurting the chicken and I can't even think about it. It makes me so sad. And they're like, yeah, but this is good. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the chicken. It's not good for the people eating the chicken. And this is not a thing about veganism. I'm talking about let's be kind to our animals. Right. Do you know what I mean? And um, it's funny. This week, JC and I have decided to go vegan for the week. I'm not, I will do my vegetarian thing, but I may not go full vegan with you. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. It's not easy. Skyler tried this morning. (laughs) Yeah. Our youngest decided that she's going to jump on board with my oldest and I about the whole vegan for a week idea. And she got her cereal out and I bought almond milk with the intent to be vegan. Yeah. And she's like, no, I, I'm, I'm just going to have no, regular milk. She said, it's too hard. It's too hard. <laughs> and I honestly think I like almond milk better than well, almond milk sweet. is sweet. Yeah, it's good. So anyways, um, and then happy belated Mother's Day, my thank darling. You. Thank you. Thank you. I thought about this today. Uh, we should have Mother's Day once a month mm-hmm. or, or forget about Mother's Day. The, the person in the household that carries the emotional labor, mm-hmm. um, that being you, mm-hmm. Kathy, because I carry a little bit, but you carry a lot more. Once a month, 12 times a year. And and what did you want for Mother's Day yesterday? Um, I wanted to not be in charge. You wanted to be left alone. I did, but when I really looked at my day, I was only alone for four hours. Right. So it that's did. And, four hours more than you usually get. Right. And when I say that, I, that's not a complaint because that was totally my choice. Sure. But I, 
and the reason I want to be left alone is not like, leave me alone. I, it's not because I don't want to be around everybody, but the work that I do or the writing that I do, I usually do with people milling around and I get interrupted constantly, thus the life of a, of a mom, right? It's just kind of the way of things. But what I wanted to do was go to the library and be by myself so I didn't get interrupted. And But that's not always easy to do when you're going from place to place or when the girls need rides or whatever. You can't like just take off and be non-existent. So I just said, I just don't want to be on. But I came home and we ate together and we watched a movie together. So, but that's what I wanted. Yeah. So um, on today's show, we are going to finish finish up our discussion about the eight things that your... 18 year old should be able to do before, um, they, before they go to college it's st- or it's, not go to college or before exactly. But her book is about college yeah. acceptance, which is why I say that. But to Todd's point, because we talked about this, it could be, um, you know, taking a year off. It could be going into a job. It could be going into a trade. It could be going into community college. So I do want to emphasize what Todd just said, but um, it's called How to Raise an Adult, um, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap and Prepare Your Kids for Success by Julie Lithcutt-Hames. And so we're just going to finish that list, plus a few other things that she says that I think are really important too. But before we get to that, uh, you shared a Facebook video with me. I just want to play a few clips of it. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to kind of bounce around a little bit. It's... um, Picture this, and you may have seen it already because we shared it on our Zen Parenting Facebook page, but it is a uh, dad uh, talking to his daughter who's maybe five or six. Do Uh you know the one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He's got a hat on. He's got a beard. He's like a grizzly dad, which is what I like. And um, somebody put on the video, what if we taught all kids emotional intelligence? And I just want to play a few clips of it. Um, I do have to bounce around because there's a younger sister that's in the background of it. It's it's really hard to kind of... So I'm trying to chop her stuff out of it. Okay. You'll hear what I mean. But anyways, here we go. Um, and apparently the young girl um, had been... I don't know. Th- something happened. She No, he was joking with her. Okay. And I think kind of said something silly like, oh, that you're being jerky or yeah. something. You know, they were being... They were joking around, but she wasn't in the mood. Right. So anyway, so here we go. You're still loved still safe and you're surrounded by white light okay and it's okay to feel this way all right you can be mad you can be mad at me you can be mad at mommy or your sister you can be mad at yourself okay just don't hang on to it for too long because that's when it gets to be a problem all right let it go work through it okay so real quick that's one quick clip and it's kind of hard to hear but he basically saying don't hold on to it for too long, mm-hmm. but I I love his, his the energy of it, not just the content of his words, mm-hmm. but how he's communicating with his daughter. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I posted it on Zen Team Zen. Mm-hmm. And then here's another quick clip. And then you could I'll post. I think I can post this link uh, on our show notes so you can listen to the whole thing yourself. But it's better because it has closed captioning. Ah, uh, maybe makes, that's why we we could hear it so yeah, clearly. Makes it we're easier. reading it. Okay. Well, I was just teasing you, honey. I didn't mean anything. So pause it for a second before you go in. She said to him right before that, I don't like it when you call me that name. Mm. So what is so what in, you know, what Todd is going to continue playing is sometimes our kids say that to us. I don't like it when you do this. I don't. And a lot of times we'll say things like, well, deal with it. Or you said it to me or it didn't bother you yesterday, but he goes a different direction. Right. So here we go. Okay. Well, I was just teasing you, honey. I didn't mean anything by it. You know how you call me jerk face sometimes? And sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I get a little bit mad, don't I? And that's okay. 
it's important to talk about it so that I know that's your boundary and I respect it and I won't push past it. Okay, but you got to tell me first. There's the younger sister jumping mm-hmm. in. So wonderful, right? Well, yeah, because basically it's it's so difficult, I think, sometimes for parents to live in that middle place of everything can be okay depending on when it's happening, yep. meaning that we, we like to be, and, and it's just the questions I still get from people about, do I do this or that? Do I say yes or no? Do I hold the line or not? And I'm like, I don't know. It depends on the situation. He's saying, sometimes you call me jerk face and I laugh. And sometimes you call me jerk face and it's not funny to me. And he said, and I just called you whatever name because they never say, and you didn't like it. So that's your boundary and Mm. I won't push past it. And instead of like, okay, I'll never use that again or let's never, it's a right now you are demonstrating to me that this is too hard to handle. So I will honor it. And I think that's hard because we've been really... Um, inundated with information that we have to choose and be one thing. I remember in college, one of the things I struggled with, and again, now it's, I look at it as a gift, but one of the things I struggled with was I had friends who had very uh, sharpened views. Mm -hmm. They were, you know, like, this is what I believe. This is right. This is wrong. Rigid, Rigid and just very, yeah, I guess that's a good word. And I felt weak because I didn't. Mm. And I thought, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know. And I think that the reason I bring that up is there was a time that I thought having a rigid view or a sharpened view was what made you smart. Yeah. Or as a sign of strength. Right. And a a sign of integrity and dignity. And now as as an adult. It's not. Because if you are not, it's not that you can't have beliefs. I'm not saying don't have any beliefs. I'm saying you have to be fluid and open and willing to hear other people's perspective. You may think something because of your life experience to this point. But when you're given new information, mm-hmm. you have to be able to hear it. And if you can't, you're you are missing the person in front of you. Yeah. You are and you are you have already decided you understand the world. Or there's absolute you think there's absolute truths. And really, I could have a truth about a situation and you could have a, an opposing truth about a situation and can they both be right? Of course they can because they're based on our life experience. I think you just said you were going to play something from another uh, another clip from a woman yeah. that's coming up. And, and as you had me listen to it, like the whole point of being able to listen and empathize and understand and is that not everybody has the same experience as we do. Yeah. And that when we decide, oh no, the reason this didn't work for you is you just didn't work hard enough. Mm -hmm. Or the reason that, you know, this bothers you, honey, is because you're too sensitive. That's through our lens. And sometimes our lens is warped because we were talked down to. Well, and the fact that we all have a lens. Correct. Like that's even hard to even get your arms around because you think uh, two plus two equals four and there's no... Or one plus one equals two. It's funny, like even that, and I think I've shared this, and I don't know what book I got this from, but one plus one equals two, right? Well, actually, that cannot be true. Well, how can that possibly not be true? Well, the metaphor I've given or the example I've given is you take a piece of gum and you put it in your mouth, and then 10 minutes later, you take a second piece of gum, put it in your mouth, and you have one plus one equals two, but actually it just merges together as one. Mm -hmm. So I say that kind of silly example because... Um, not everything is as it seems. Uh, that was a TED up. talk, wasn't it? I don't remember where I got it. Um, exactly. Like we, there is a, um, 
our rigid views are based on our personal experience that we have decided are reality for all yeah. or is reality for all. And we have uh, surrounded ourselves with enough people who reinforce that reality. So then we say, be like us, mm -hmm. the rest of you are doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And this is in, um, you know, race relations. This is in issues regarding gender or sexuality. This is also in issues regarding parenting and children. Right. We, or friendships or partnerships or women and men, or it's, we've decided our way is the best. We find people who reinforce it and then we don't listen to what everyone else has to say. Yeah. And, um, all right, last clip of this dad, cause there's something specific I want to talk about on this last clip. Okay. Okay. Let's take a good walk. You can run that off, run the anger off you want. You can kick dirt. Okay. Whatever you need to do to get, to get through it and it'll make you feel better. Okay. Can I have a kiss? I'm sorry. Last last phrase. Can I have a kiss? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, one is the I'm sorry thing because I think a lot of parents think that that's a sign of weakness and you mm -hmm. should never apologize to your kids. Mm -hmm. And you and I have said over and over, you know, we're one human being to another. If you've impacted the one you love negatively, of course you should say you're sorry. Mm -hmm. It's just a no brainer. Um, Even if your intention wasn't to harm, right. if it impacted them in a harmful manner, then the apology is still, you know. Forget about intention. What's the impact? Mm -hmm. And then the other one is says, can I have a kiss? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, duh. Like, but he, you know, this is Mike Domish stuff. Like you ask permission. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I just thought that it was wonderful. And, you know, one visual I get when he says, you know, let's go for a walk or, you know, you can kick some pillows or hit some pillows and we'll burn this off. For parents who are listening to that, who maybe do that with their children, one piece of advice that I could give to you that might help, especially if they're angry, is when you're doing that, see, he's doing a lot of talking initially, mm -hmm. but if you decide to go for the walk, don't say anything. Yeah. Don't be like, is this working? How is this going? Are you kicking off? Do that. Don't instruct yeah. because what you just did is opened up and gave them permission to deal with the feelings the way they wanted to. And you gave some examples so they know what they can do. But I think the worst thing we can do is over talk it and think we're solving it. Part of parenting is one, is knowing when to shut right. up. And when to when it's time to speak up and when it's time to shut up. You know when it's time to, I mean, there's a lot of times to shut up, but one of the times is when you're, when you have the ability to check in with yourself, like, wow, I'm in a reactionary state. That's when you should probably be quiet. But even when this dad who's not in a reactionary state, sometimes it's best just to allow for some silence. We, we get uncomfortable. Like, you know, your kid gets in the car after school and you, you know, just, kill them with questions the minute they show up, even though they've been on for the last eight hours. Well, so I think the the thing is then um, when you're in a rea rea reactionary state or when they are, because I think one of the best times to not talk is when the person you're with is feeling a lot because they're already dealing with all of those mixed emotions and thoughts going through their head. So if they have you saying, are you okay now? Are you doing what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Then they're going to say, stop. Yeah. That's when they get angry, when we talk at them. So he's, he did a fantastic job and I'm making this part next. Sure. You know, I didn't see what he did next, but if I were him, I would be like, let's go for a walk. And I would be completely quiet yeah. and just let, because eventually the child is either going to stay quiet and just appreciate that time to decompress, or it gives them the opportunity to say, oh, you know, I'm feeling better. Or without you saying, you feeling better? Yeah. Are you better now? Or I'm not feeling better. Right. You or this know. isn't working. Yeah. You know, is let, there, do you have other ideas? Let them. Correct. Um, okay. So real quick, we have a Zen talk on Friday. We've been talking about Team Zen for a while. 
um, and we want you to join us. And for the month of May, I think that we're going to put it for the month of May. You can do a. Why do you only think that's confusing? Because if it grows too quickly, because we've actually because it's free, uh, you get a free trial subscription. Okay. Um, and if it grows too quickly, we're going to shut that down. Not for anybody who signs up for the trial, okay. but this. Why don't we just decide on a day rather than? Because I want to see how it goes. Okay. So basically, the the longest it will go is May thirtieth. Is there a thirty first in May? What's May? Uh, yes, 30? I think there is. And then, so that would be the the absolute final. But there's a possibility that we may stop it before then. Right. Okay. Exactly. But those people who sign up get a full month, yes. so they'll go into June. Correct. Okay. Got it. Um. So we have a Zen talk this Friday, and even if you can't get on uh, live with us, we hope you can. But even if you can't, we send out a link to the recording. It's a virtual conference call, and you guys ask questions, and Kathy and I kind of try to help you out and even team members try to help you out. Well, and I was going to say, if you're going to join Team Zen, I would highly recommend you join the Facebook page only because that's constant everyday interaction. Mm -hmm. Zen Talks are twice a month, which are amazing in itself, you know, because that's two more podcasts a month. But um, I think that the Facebook page is really interactive. So um, if you have already joined, get on the page and you can, you don't have to like you can ha- don't you don't have to have a picture or anything. Yeah. You know, some people actually join Facebook to join the page, right? Um, and then you—that's all you have to do. And then go off when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's where all the deep questions are being asked, don't you? We just got one uh, this morning. Um, daughter is almost three, is constantly stealing things around the house and hiding them. Yeah, so, I, we've had that before. Um, so as a few team members have already kind of um, given their two cents, and we'll get on there as well. All right. So, anyways, all right. So, without further ado. Oh, you don't want to do Lovey's thing? Uh, we'll do Lovey's thing later. You want me to do it now? Yeah, I'll do yeah, it now. yeah. So who is Lovey? Lovey, do you know? Well, I know her because she, um, first of all, I heard her on NPR probably a year ago. Her name is Lovey Ajayi? Mm-hmm. Okay. And she wrote a book and she also is a blogger and has um, quite the platform. And I've followed her and appreciated her um, commentary uh, on all these things we're talking about, being open-minded, recognizing other people's experience, intersectionality. I've learned a lot from her. And she um, toured with Glennon and Abby, uh, Glennon uh, Doyle and Abby Wambach last year. They did like a, I, can't, I think it was called Together. I can't remember, but they did a tour and they were in Chicago. And mm. Lovey is from Chicago and she spoke here. And um, I just think that she, as the clip you're going to play, she is willing to speak up and say these are things we need to look at. So this is a clip from uh, the TED Radio Hour, which is one of my new favorite podcasts. And this one specific is called Comfort Zones. Okay. So this is about a minute from Lovey. I want to drill down on this a little bit, on this idea of of speaking truths, right? Like there's this famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, that was written in like the 40s, you know, and it's his bestseller. And basically his message is like, just keep quiet. You know, oh, smile, and no. and and that can work. That really can work um, in a lot of cases, but but it means that nothing changes. It means nothing changes. It's how we find ourselves sixty years down the line, still dealing with the same problems we had sixty years ago. Yeah, it's because we insist that comfort is better than anything. When comfort typically means somebody else is somewhere suffering because of our comfort. So I completely disagree with the idea you should just shut up and just be the wallflower because when you shut up because somebody else is, is burning, yeah. what happens when you're burning? If everybody else shuts up, nobody calls 911 for you. Yeah. We can't afford to sit around and just wait for somebody else to do what we think is important to be done. 
When it's time to say these hard things, I ask myself three things. One, did you mean it? Two, can you defend it? Three, did you say it with love? If the answer is yes to all three, I say it and let the chips fall. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's powerful. I love the, the last part. So that last part is from the TED stage. Mm -hmm. You can obviously hear a difference in the, in the, uh, the way that the clip sounded. Um, so, but the last part is, did you mean it? Can you defend it? And did you say it with love? I think the third of those three is probably the most important thing. Powerful part. The, par the part that allows it to be heard. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes saying it with love doesn't mean that we're coddling or, or sm making ourselves small or saying it weak. We're saying it with an intention of, I love you, or I love where I live, or I love my family or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. And I am going to speak up mm -hmm. because of that love. Yeah. Um, and if love is my intention, then the goal is that's how it will be received. Yeah. So anyways, I just thought that that was really powerful. Did well, you mean it? Can you defend it? And did you say it with love? Whether or not you're talking about a social cause or whether or not you're talking to your daughter or your son who's driving you nuts in the moment. That's right. So, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in, or in your partnership, because a lot of difficult things need to be said. Uh, I feel like I'm so in the middle of thinking about treatment right now between couples because I've been listening to Esther Perel's podcast continuously for the last three weeks. Um, uh, it's called uh, Where Should We Begin? She's only got two seasons, but they can. I can re-listen to them because I get so, you know, it's, it's like rich. being in the room. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just how there's so much missed between couples. And and when I say couples, it can be missed between friends or missed between a conversation you have with your mom or your child. We have so many assumptions and we bring so much baggage to conversations sometimes that we're so blocked and we can't hear. And, you know, I was just listening to a Super Soul podcast this morning with uh, between Dr. Phil and Oprah. Dr. Feel. Dr. Feel. And he's really great. And, um, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about his show. I, I don't watch his show, but every time I have heard him speak with Oprah, um, he's just very, his whole thing is accountability responsibility, and you can't show up for anyone until you're clear about yourself. And this is really what we talk about on the show is if you, if you want to hear someone else, you've got to start with your ability to recognize what you're doing and what you're bringing and the energy that you have. Because if you're coming in with preconceived notions and you're already deciding someone else is less than you or not as valuable, or that your viewpoint is more important, it's net, you're not, you're not on a, or vice versa, you believe you're going to be rejected. You believe the person across from you is better than you. You're not going to be able to hear them either. Mm. We, we hear what we believe, yeah. you know, we really do. That's the lens again, right? It is, you know, um, Mark Nepo has this great, in his book of awakening, and I can't remember what day, cause it's a day book, but one of the days he talks about going to see his grandmother and she says, and she's much older and she says, man, it's just been so gray outside for so many days. And he had just come in to her house and it hasn't been gray. And he looked and he realized her window was mm, dirty mm. and that she had been seeing gray because her window was dirty. And she said some, and I've talked about this on the show before, because her quote was dirty eye, dirty world. Yeah. And a lot of time, and when I say dirty, I don't mean you are a dirty person. I mean, your lens needs to be cleaned. You need to be able to, and that is nobody's responsibility, but yours. Yeah. 
accountability for yourself, your own energy, then you can be clear when someone's talking to you. So going back to Lovey, um, I, like I said, she's, she's taught me a lot and introduced me to a lot of people who have taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really like next week, again, I, we've been holding ourselves accountable by saying this on the show. I would like to talk about intersectionality next week. Okay. Um, because I had several of my students this semester, my uh, college classes have ended just last week, but their presentations were about intersectionality. And my students this semester taught me so much. And I want to be able to speak about how we relate, understand, and are open to other people's perspectives without us getting, what's the word, word offended by other people's experience, like being able to see and recognize what people are telling us and being able to integrate that rather than push it away. So uh, you've been talking to me about intersectionality Uh for a while. Um, And honestly, it's kind of a newer word for me. And I just pulled it up on whatever dictionary. Um, I'm just going to read the definition of it. The intersectionality is the interconnected nature of social categorization, such as race, class, and gender, as they apply to a given individual or group regarded as creating overlapping and interdependent interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. Let me give example two examples and then we can move forward okay. and then we'll again talk about this more in depth next week okay. so people have a better understanding. First of all, it's a lot of times we say quotes like women make less men or less men make less money than men. They make, what is it? 72 cents on the dollar or something like that. Yeah. Or they, you know, they, they work free for free from January 1st to May 15th or whatever it is. Right. We use a statistic and we say women do this or women make less. The truth is that's white women. Mm Mm-hmm. When we're talking about African-American women, they make even less. And when we're talking about Latina women, they make even less. So we're not including women of color in that equation. So right there, that's an intersectionality issue. When you say women, you need to have an understanding of there's more than just you as a a white woman. Um, And then also when we talk about, you know, um, gender, Mm -hmm. you know, like you and I just got an email on our website because on our website, when you fill it, I don't even know what it is, but you fill something out where you say, you check a box, are you male or female? And part of the reason I think you wanted that was for, because you coach guys and I tend to work with women. Well, someone emailed us and say, you, they said you need more boxes. Your choices are male or female. And there are many people who identify differently or they're more fluid or they, you know, and you and I are like, oh, yeah, we got to figure that out. Like, yeah. I don't know exactly what we're going to do. We might just leave it off or we might, um, you know, because, again, this is where it can become interesting because once you start to expand your definition, then you, wanna... you don't want to leave anybody out. Right. And some people will say, so let's not bother. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. Yeah. I say, let's do bother. Yeah. Let's figure out a way. Like one of the things that came up in class last week was uh, one of my students did her presentation on LGBTQIA+, because that's that's really the... Yeah. the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The acronym now. Okay. So then someone in class brought up, well, see... She's like, I don't really identify with any of those Mm. letters, but I find myself to be fluid. So where am I in there? And they were talking about how there's some language right now to maybe make uh, a terminology that's all inclusive to anybody who just doesn't identify as heteronormative Mm. or, and again, this isn't just about sexuality. It's about how we view ourselves gender wise. Do you see how it can become, 
it can become challenging, but we can do this. Yeah. We can do hard things. Yeah. We can figure out a way where everybody knows. Yeah, and is it more simple to take the path of least resistance and you know just say, oh, well, we're not going to mess with that? No, we are going to mess with. We that. are. We are going to you know, step into the unknown. Cause I, I don't know what the acronym is Neither. and like the most recent one where oh, yeah. everybody's like, I don't know. And I got to learn. Well, there's, I can't remember it either, but I remember the last word was minority, like sexual. Um, and again, I don't even know sexual gender minority. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm not saying that right. So for those of you who know, I know I'm wrong here, but they, and, and my student who said it, I don't know if she, if she knows that for sure, or if she had just heard that, but the important part is not where we land, but that we're willing to have the conversation, right. that we're willing to say, you belong and you belong and the way you identify is is you and, the, and that I am willing to listen. Mm -hmm. So we will continue this this conversation next week because I think that, um, I think it's, it's completely connected to everything we've ever built this show on. Sure. If you understand yourself and you have a respect for who you are and you honor what you need to feel valued and mm -hmm. what you need to know you belong, yeah. then you of course want that for other people. Yep. And so when we say, sorry, I'm not going to listen to what you believe because I don't believe it. It doesn't make- Or I don't understand. Or I don't or understand Or I've never it. heard that. Right. I, I, for me, that doesn't make any sense. And again, I don't have all the answers because I'm still asking a lot of questions right now and listening. I don't, the thing about you and I talking about intersectionality is not about us having the answers. It's about how to process through the questions without fear. You know, you and I um, are just learning this ourselves, but I think that it is our responsibility as human beings to speak up about it and then to shut up and listen. Yep. Right? Yeah. It's the it's both. It's yep. we don't have all the answers, but I love having the conversation. So should we move on? We're gonna move on right after I talk about Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He's sure. a bald headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. And you can reach him at avidco.net or his phone number is 630-956-1800. Thank you, Jeremy. So last week we talked about, um, we were on page 80 of How to Raise an Adult, Julie Lithcott-Hames book. Um, and we had already talked about the, th the checklist of things that 18-year-olds should be able to do before they leave home. Can you just read the first five yeah. we talked about last week? Um, an 18-year-old must be able to talk to strangers. An 18-year-old must be able to find his or her way around campus. And an 18-year-old must be able to manage his or her assignments, workloads, and deadlines. An 18-year-old must be able to contrib contribute to the running of a household. Um, and the last one we left off on was an 18-year-old must be able to handle interpersonal problems. Now, for those of you who are like, ah, but go into those. We talked about it last week. Yeah. So just go so to- So just go to 431 or whatever it is. So there's three left. Um, number six, uh, the next one, is an 18-year-old must be able to cope with the ups and downs of- courses and workloads, college level work, competition, tough teachers, bosses, and others. So this is interesting because this has come up a lot this year. Um, some of our girls, um, actually even our own daughter, um, has struggled with, and let's be very- um, General? Yes. Has struggled with uh, some experiences with a teacher. Yeah. And one of our daughters has, and then a lot of our, and then one of our daughters, her good friend has struggled with a teacher this year. And so we've had a lot of conversations 
in this house about what that means, yeah. what that looks like, and how to respond mm -hmm. when you are struggling with an authority figure. Yeah. And obviously, you know, for those of you who have had extreme situations with an authority figure where someone has been bullying or inappropriate, of course, there are some red flags where you maybe need to remove your child or that person needs to be, uh, what's it, reprimanded or maybe not reprimanded, reported. Mm -hmm. You know, there needs to be support given. But the majority of the time, it's really just about that person's style. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, are well, they... And don't even talk about teachers. Like one of our kids has a coach who uh, struggles. Right. And so that's that's the thing is like sometimes it's just their personality. It's different than moms and dads. Exactly. And so, and, and really if you were in the classroom, you may be like, oh, this is what I grew up with. Mm -hmm. But sometimes kids have a different parenting experience or adult authority figure experience. It's like moving from... Um, preschool teachers to kindergarten teachers yeah. or kindergarten teachers to first grade teachers. Right. Yeah. There's a, um, you know, obviously when they're in preschool, it's like coddling, coddling, coddling. I mean, you would think. Yes. And then all of a sudden you get to kindergarten and the kindergarten teacher's like, uh, there's no recess. We're not going to play outside, at least at our schools. Right. There's no recess for a half day kindergarten, which is insane because these kids should be outside playing a little bit throughout their day. And then I, I, and I think, is it like third grade where they, fourth grade where they start, you know, treating them like a young student. Responsibility changes. Responsibility, mm -hmm. assignments, taking care of yourself. Long-term assignments, yeah. start the project now, have it done, you know. So yeah, like Todd said, things, it ramps up. And as parents, we have to help our kids manage this rather than manage it for them. Right. Again, I will say one more time, if you have an adult who's being inappropriate with your child, of course, you step in. You step in. But in the majority of experiences, it's really about personality, um, it's style, and the way that they view education. Mm. And I have the experience that I remember, you know, my first job when I was 16, my boss was so tough and so not nice. And I remember I would come home and say to my mom, I'd be like, geez, like, you know, I was on time and I still got in trouble or whatever. And, you know, I was so put off and my mom's like, yep, you're going to have hard bosses. Yeah. Like nobody at home, my I thought, you know, obviously if I would have come home and said, you know, she hurt me or she hit me or something, of course my parents would step in, but they were kind of like, yeah, this is, this is an experience that you have to learn how to negotiate this, right. how to figure this out. Were you in high school or college? I was 16. Okay. Yeah. This was in, when I was in, you know, I was working at a retail store and my boss was tough and, and I would, I remember like sometimes on Thursday nights I would work from five to nine and it would just be she and I, yeah. and I would dread it. But the worst thing we can do is be like, oh, just don't do it or mm. don't show up for that. Or let's quit that job and right. let's find you a better boss. Right. Because it's a disservice to your child to not allow, to create the space for them to have these challenging experiences. And you know, the interesting thing is, is it's so funny. I just said to you, you know, I remember on Thursday nights having to work with her from five to nine and there were times when it was just she and I, who she actually kind of burst through and was kind of calm. And, you know, I was actually just at our grocery store, um, last couple of weeks ago. And I tend to, you know, as everybody does, we was talking to the woman as I was checking out and sometimes they just start to tell you their life, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, Oh, She's like, that's my boss over there. She's horrible. <laughs> she's like, she's making everybody want to quit. And, you know, she was kind of telling me all these stories. And um, and I, so now I know who that woman is. So every time I come into the store, I'm like, oh, there's their boss, mm -hmm. right? And I've seen her be really lovely 
And I've seen her be kind of, she's very young and a lot of the people who work there are older than her. So I think there's some challenges with that, but I've seen both sides of her. And again, I don't even know who this woman is. I just tend to pay attention to, to people's experience. Well, and others. I will bet you that, I mean, let's just go down this road. I'll bet you that boss is really nice to you as a customer Correct. of the grocery store, yet does not treat her employees with that same kindness. You are so right. And uh, that's hundred percent because when I'm saying I've seen her be kind, it's usually when she's doing the checkout yep. and, you know, so, but this is the world we live in. I don't mean we live in a world with mean people. I mean, we have a lot of different personalities. We have to be able to negotiate yeah. and how, not how do we change them, but how am I accountable for myself in those experiences? Yeah. How do you show up? How do you when show up? When somebody's mean to you, how do you show up? Right. How do you deal with it? Do you get mean back? Do you crawl into a hole and, and don't, do anything, right? You know, you got to find what that sweet spot is, right? And there may be. I, I'm thinking of a girlfriend of mine who her son had a coach for like four years, and finally, after four years, it, and this coach was really hard on her son. He said, "I'm done, I'm done." And the mom's like, "Okay," like she wasn't like, "No, you have to stick it out and be with this coach for the rest of your life." He had gotten to a point where he's like, I stuck it out. I did all the things I tried to do this. And now I don't enjoy this anymore. And that's like an unfortunate side. You know, a lot of times I've said, you and I have seen this before too, where, uh, our child will have a really big interest in something, but because the coach or the teacher kind of blows, yeah. they lose the interest and they didn't lose the interest in the activity. They lost the interest because of the person who was teaching it. Yeah. And those are, so then what do we do? Do we stomp around and say, that's not fair? Or do we Do we say, try to get this teacher fired? And that's not really my way. No, it's not. Um, but some people would. I know. I know. And this is where it gets a little dicey because you don't, there's, we don't have enough information about it. We're talking very generally. Yeah. And, but again, let's stay in the middle. So Todd and I don't have to go to the the extremes, which is where really big steps yeah, have to be taken. Yeah, we're talking about the gray. The gray is how does your child show up and can they manage diverse personalities. And the other part of this, we keep talking about the people, is when they have uh, an organizational um, expectations, meaning you do have to have a report that you start uh, in January that's then due in March. How do they organize themselves? They have to, that's, that's essential before they, if they choose to go away to school, they have to know how to do that because you're not going to be there saying to them two weeks in, did you do this part? Did you do this part? Some children have a, a better grip on their executive functioning, yeah. which is the prefrontal cortex where all the rationalization and organization lives. Some children haven't fully developed it yet. Our, our prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed till I used to say 25, but I recently read in one of the neurobiology books, it's actually 27. Right. Um, so that's developing, meaning we shouldn't say to our child, I'm not going to help you at all. We may give help them with a calendar. That's the sweet spot. Exactly. We help them develop You want it. to stretch them a little bit, but if you'd say, okay, go do this, whatever, 45-page term paper, and you've never had one before, you don't say, okay, go take care of that. Like, okay, how do we build a table of contents or what are some of the things that you want to communicate in this term, whatever. Well, haven't you noticed that their teachers have been doing a really good job with that this year? I feel like, you know how you mentioned on a show a couple of weeks ago how, about how uh, Skylar had that presentation about Paris or yeah. whatever. Uh, 
I had no idea about that either. And when she went through it with me, her I feel like our children's teachers understand deeply this executive functioning piece and this organizational piece, and they help them with that. I know. The problem is that poor teachers got 28 kids to worry Correct. about. So it's impressive. It is. And, you know, maybe, maybe Skylar got a lot of help or maybe she didn't get any help. I don't know. Right. Uh, I don't either. And it's less about her and more about, I think that's being worked into the curriculum. Like one of the things that is given to our children, um, we, you guys may do this too. We order the school supplies a year ahead of time. And you, so you get this package of mm-hmm. school supplies. And one of the things in there is a uh, planner, you know, like a actual planning what yeah. the homework is. And and I've seen this with my girls for years. Sure. So there is that understanding of they need some touchstones, you know, like they need, like, by this date, you need this, by this date, you need this. And and we can not do it for them, but support them in it. Um, you know, like my niece, when she was younger and they were helping her with her executive functioning, they had a big whiteboard. Like even before she'd walk out the door, this is like first, second grade. It'd be like, do you have your backpack check? Check. Do you have your, and that helps them giving them visual reminders. Um, Because that's how some kids learn. Correct. We can go to the next one. Oh, how are we doing with time? It's uh, almost nine o'clock. It is not. Okay. Number seven, an 18 year old must be able to earn and manage money. Ooh. I know. I knew you'd wake up. Earn it. You're like, keep going, keep going. Okay, wait. Um, Yes, I absolutely think that that's true. So what does that mean? Like for us, all three of our daughters have a um, savings account at the bank. I want them to understand what a bank is, what a bank does, what interest is. Um, We talked about FAMZU last week. That's another wonderful resource, FAMZU.com. But if they're going to be in this world, this Money's neither good nor bad. It's neutral, but um, it depends on how you use money. And as a father of three daughters, I want my daughters to be independent financially as as early as possible and not rely on me or Kathy or whoever they're dating or whoever they get married to to be able to do that. So, um, you know, for me, this is something that's not taught at schools, at least not as much as it, it used should. to be junior achievement. Remember we had something in our school called junior achievement and then because of budget cuts, it got taken away. Um, and there at, at our daughter's high school, I think they do have financial management or financial literacy classes. I think it should be mandatory Me too, because you're not going to be able to get through this thing called life without at least a, a, a basic understanding of money and income and expenses and what a balance sheet is in a business. You know, most of us are going to work in a business, whether it's our own or somebody else's, it's just basic stuff. So we do things like play Monopoly. We do things like play the cash flow game, which we talked about last week. It's hard to sometimes like to teach out of a book that I read Mm -hmm. and, you know, it could be horrifically boring if I did. Well, and sometimes it's just the basics. Like the girls have grown up with on our front table, these three boxes that say save, spend, give. And since they were very little, we've had money in each of them. And it's just the representation of this is what you do with money. You know, some of it you spend, some of it you save for a future and you, and a lot of it you give away, um, and you help other people. And so there's just, part of it is just the literal, you know, financial management, the mathematics of it. And some of it is the philosophy of it. What is it there for? Well, the philosophy is most of us um, earn some income and then we spend it and then we save whatever we have left. Right. And the million, you know, million, the dozens of financial books I have read have all said everybody does it wrong. 
you get your paycheck, then you pay yourself first mm -hmm. through savings, and then you spend. Mm. Very simple, but we're just, we have the equation backwards. Well, and there's so many reasons for that. Yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a whole show in itself, you know, like what's our fear about money, what we think we need, keeping up with the Joneses, mm. um, using money or using spending as a numbing out factor. I mean, there's so many reasons for that, but one book that I would recommend to parents who, um, Todd knows all about, this is more his world, but the one that really helped me about 15 years ago was, Susie Orman's first book. Yeah. So those of you who know Susie Orman, she's been on Oprah a lot. She has a show, I think on, or used to on MSNBC. She has good jackets. She has nice jackets. Um, she talked, her first book, um, she dove into where I could hear about money, which was what is your value system and history with money? Because if you understand that, it'll dictate your spending habits. And she actually makes you go back into childhood and figure out how money was felt, how people in your home growing up felt about money, right. because that's your cellular memory. And if you, again, everything's self-awareness, right? That's a great starting place because a lot of times we treat money like sex, which is we don't really talk about it that much. It's a, kind of behind the scenes. We pretend we're teaching our kids about it when really we're not even clear in ourselves what our belief systems are. And so this is just, again, to bring, it's not like you have to sit down with your children and be like, do this, do that, do this. But you do want to recognize like the question we always ask parents about sex ed will say to them, what is it you want your children to know about sex? Well, it's the same with money. Yeah. What is it you want your children to know about money? Um, so anyway, go ahead. I think it's the book, The Nine Steps to Financial, Financial Freedom, freedom. Mm -hmm. Practical and Spiritual Steps So You Can Stop Worrying. There's a million books out there, but Susie has a very kind of easy to understand, direct approach to it. So yeah. I'm and I think for people who listen to this show, because you read all the financial books, um, but this is the most touchy feely one I've read. Yes. Um, so that's that. And so, and again, to earn money, um, Todd, I have to give you props. You're much better about this with the girls than I am. He gives them opportunities to earn money all the time. He'll say, come to, come help me in the garage. You can earn this much. If you want to clean the mudroom, you can earn this much. Um, and he gives them an opportunity to have their own money. And a lot of times they don't take them up on it. And then, and then they want to go out with their friends and they don't have any money. Correct. And I'm okay with not giving them money. I struggle a little more in this area. You know, we got a little work on, I know. We work on that. I know bit. we, we aren't, it's not that we're not on the same page on paper, meaning in definition, it's just in that moment um, and it's not like I'm like, oh, here, take my money. But I, again, this is history, right? This is my childhood yeah. of like when I wanted, when I was going to do something with my friends before I had a job, before I was 15 or 16, I would get money to go do it. Yeah. You're very much like, no, they need to earn it now. Yeah. And I want them to understand the consequences of not doing these opportunities yes. that I create for them, which is clean the mudroom or clean the garage with me. And the, the cleanest way of, of us handling money with our daughters is if we go out together as a family, of course, Kathy and I pay for it. But if she's doing, if they're doing anything with their friends that has nothing to do with Kathy or I, then that's on them, right. including our fourth grader. And, and that's still weird for me. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like- She's it, got the most money out of the bunch. I know. She's, and that's a whole other thing. Like <laughs> they also get money from grandparents and all that. Right. And there's a part of me that still struggles with them spending that money because mm -hmm. they didn't quote unquote earn it. Yeah. They received it as a gift. Yeah. Um, and but that's, don't, they put some of it in savings. Yes, they do. Okay. Uh, but it's not as structured as I 
and I am blaming myself. Okay. I have not created the structure to make sure that X percent goes towards savings, X percent goes towards giving. Um, I have done it in the past, but I've been lazy. Put it this way. We haven't been on top of it all the time. Correct. So sometimes they'll get a $20 bill and there's no, yep. nothing happens except it goes in their yep. pocket. Right. Um, so yes, there is this, this is an ongoing discussion with Todd and I. And again, as you guys listening to the show know, we have different beliefs and value systems about money and that shows up in the way we parent. But what I'm willing to do is understand where Todd's coming from and understand how that can help them and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That sometimes to ask a fourth grader, oh, you want to go to a movie? Go earn it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? It's okay if she's going to this birthday party for me to pay for this. Mm. And there's a there's a yeah, and every right. kid's different. There's right. a fourth grader, there's a seventh grader, and there's a freshman. Right. Expectations are nuanced and different for each one. Correct. So let's go to the very last one. Okay. And this one's pretty interesting. Uh, an 18 year old must be able to take risks. Mm. Okay. So I want to read what Julie says underneath this. She says we've laid out our children's entire path for them. We have avoided all their pitfalls, prevented all the stumbles. Thus, kids don't develop the wise understanding that success comes after trying and failing and trying again, which, you know, a.k.a. the the word grit or thick skin, a.k.a. resilience, uh, that comes from coping when things have gone wrong. So a lot of times when we hear risks, we think, oh, you want my child to risk their life? It's not about risking their lives all the time. It's about risking their emotional experience, meaning they may be disappointed, they may fail, they may not get what they want. And instead of pretending that they should have, or Mm -hmm. instead of intervening and getting it for them, we support them in dealing with the emotion of failure and the emotion of resilience. You know, like to be and again, we've done a lot of shows on what grit means to us and resilience means to us, but to get there and to really understand how to get up again, you have to fall down. And it, we don't serve our kids by paving everything for them. What is the what is the parent thing, the lawnmower parent? Lawnmower parenting, you just mow everything down in front of them so they get <laughs> nice easy path with everything or helicopter parenting. There's a million different terms for some for the similarities of it. of it. Yeah. Um and that's the thing you have to discern you know, a four-year-old running into the street. Yeah. You don't want to let them have a life lesson. You want to protect them and keep them safe. But if your kid, you know, insert whatever example you want, if you have a kid who wants to stay out later and all of a sudden, you know, you can either like, you know, uh, focus in and text them and you know, call them and all that, or are you going to like give them a little bit of rope to make some, make some mistakes yep. or some decisions? They and, might be good ones. Yeah. But sometimes when we don't let them make them, we don't even know. Do right. they have the, or if a kid tries out for a team and they want to be on A, but they got on B, and then we call the coach and say they should be on A, that is not our place. Mm-hmm. And that coach might even be wrong mm-hmm. in our eyes. Because sometimes people are wrong. And right. that's a life lesson. Right. Did you get cheated? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Does that mean that we have to, you know, create this chaos and start complaining about a coach? No. Right. We don't. And and maybe our child, their experience of being on B might give them something they wouldn't have had on A. Two resources. Um, One is we did a Teenage Wisdom podcast number 420. And then we also did that really good um, show with... John O'Sullivan? No. Well, John O'Sullivan, and I'll throw that one out there, but Rita's daughter, um, Casserly. Oh, Casserly, right. That was good. Where she was, this was many years ago when we were doing BU, but um, Rita's daughter 
a girl that we worked with in our fifth grade program, she was, uh, she's a great soccer player and was uh, not put on a team that she wanted to be on, mm. but was able to not only accept it with sadness, she even cried on the show, but she was able to call the girl who made the team and say, congratulations. Like yeah. that is building up some part of our self. Yeah. The name of the podcast was she was cut from her soccer team. What she did next might surprise you. And yeah. it's about Casserly. Yeah. And I'll include that in the show notes as well. So I want to end because I know Todd and I have to leave um, with this word that I love. And again, it's from Julie's book and I've been using it a lot lately um, because I love the manner in which she uses it. It's about self-efficacy. Um, self-efficacy is not just about believing in yourself. It's about having a realistic sense of your accomplishments, not overblown, not undersold. It's about learning that if you don't succeed, you can still try again. And most likely you'll make even more progress or you'll have a little more of a recognizable achievement. And maybe even as you keep going, you'll master something. But it's self-efficacy is different than self-esteem because that's more about believing in your worth of that or value. Um, your self-esteem may influence your self-efficacy, but self-efficacy is built by doing the work and seeing that success comes from effort and it comes from experience and it comes from showing up and it comes from being able to handle difficult situations. And it self-efficacy to me is self-responsibility, self-understanding, self-awareness all mixed together. And that is where we can send our kids out into the world trusting that they may not have all the answers, but then they'll know to ask for help. Or they may not do it right the first time, but they'll be able to stand up and, and try again. That's what we want for our kids. Yeah. So self-efficacy. Um, so in closing, we talked a little bit about Team Zen. Um, we have a Zen Talk this Friday coming up. Just to give you two or three bullet points of the last one we did, uh, there was a mom who had a problem with a toddler who was, a, who was having a hard time adjusting to having a new sibling. And then uh, there was another question. We have four children. We love to be at home. With summer coming up, we're feeling the pressure to put them in activities. So this one was interesting on the Facebook page because we were able to offer a lot of resources about kind of the lie we're sold yep. about getting our children involved in all sorts of activities and how really, um, it, we were just talking about executive functioning, mm -hmm. how executive functioning is strengthened through boredom and yep. through not having self-directed, or excuse me, not having externally directed like classes. Yeah. Um, instead, learning on your own. So it's we've had some interesting conversations. Um, any events you want to promote or anything? I got um, one tomorrow, actually. I'm going to be speaking to a group of eighth graders talking about the other side of boyhood and talking about the man box and things like that. So, But that's not public. That is not public, okay. but I'm just saying that for if there's any school administrators out there at some point that want to... Um, hire me or sweetie to talk to your kids. You do that as oh, well. Oh, I do that with girls. Yeah. And um, so that is, yeah, that's actually interesting. Even though this summer things are like, I'm just starting to let go of things. So I'm ready to have a little more downtime than usual. But yes. All right. I'll you got anything ya. else? No, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Oops. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> sounded scary. It was. That was called the evil laugh. Ooh. All right. Um, oh, we have an interview this Friday coming up. Um, we have two awesome women talking about... Uh, Moms Demand Action. Moms Demand Action. Common Sense Gun Laws. So be sure to tune in this Friday. Yep. All right, guys. Adios.
Thanks for listening, everyone. We appreciate you. Remember, you can subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask Kathy and I questions live. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page. We have a book club and get discounts on everything that we have to offer. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. Guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? I have good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You choose. First session is free. And if you're in Chicagoland, contact me about the tribe. It's a men's group, and it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by going through the Amazon link under Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you a thing, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Finally, I want to give special thanks to our two foundation partners, the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thank you for your love and support, and keep on trucking.